Please stand as we read God's word. Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 through 14. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that, though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush doesn't, come, doesn't burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, Here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals. For the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. The home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now, go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I? that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt. And God said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, What is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. This is the word of God. You may be seated. Well, it is interesting that um, with the start of October will mark 11 months that Beck and I have been here, and I found out something last week in our, in our uh, GC meeting, our, our governing uh, committee meeting. Uh, they said, Pastor, you, you sounded like you were a little bit rushed this morning. And I said, well, you know, I, I need to get done by, by noon. I said, oh, no, no, you have till 12.15. 
I didn't realize I have till 12.15. Here I've been really smoking along so that I could be done and get you guys out of here by noon. In the States, Sunday is football day, American football. And you got to get the people out by noon because if you don't get them out by noon, they're angry. They're, now they're all looking at their phones because they want to get home to watch American football. So now that I have a little bit more time, who knows? We'll, we may go a little longer, but I'm going to try and, try, and keep the, try and keep it doing. I was uh, with the... Um, Trent Thornton, he is our regional director for the Christian Mission Alliance in North and South Asia. And we were having lunch a, a few weeks ago, and he mentioned kind of offhand, he said, um, I'm going to be meeting with the, the director for missions for the for Kamakop, the Christian Mission Alliance Churches of the Philippines. And he said, uh, would, you like to, would you like to join us? So Pastor Stan and I, we went over there and joined them in, that, in the conversation. We talked about many things. But in his prayer, he said something that, that stopped me. He talked about the nation in the world, the, fat, the, the, nation, the nation in the world that is growing fastest uh, towards Christianity, the, fa- the fastest growing Christian nation in the world. And I'm thinking, well, what, what is this? And he's talking about how all of the mosques are emptying out. The only people who are still following God are those who are connected with the government because that's, that's where the money is. And he was talking about how these people are fleeing this land and going, going out of that land because they're, they're sick of the repression within that country. And he talked about there's no churches. There's no church buildings in this country. There are no, uh, there are no seminaries. There's no five, or there's no, um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, I want to say in, in America, uh, like religious organizations where they're, where they're free of tax status. There's none of that. It's all very grassroots and people are coming to Christ. And the one common denominator in the land of Iran, Iran, of all things, the one common denominator when people talk with one another, the majority of the people who are doing that work are women. And they know that, that when they, if they are ever caught, these women say the first thing that will happen to us is we will be raped, and then we will be killed. But they said, we believe in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, that it says, submit your bodies unto God, a living sacrifice. And they said, we know every day that we can walk out that door but we are never sure that we're going to walk back through that door. And I, and I think about that as, as I heard them, them talking about this. And what they, there's a, a YouTube video that you can watch. It's called Sheep Among Wolves. It's about an hour and a half, and it chronicles all this. And what happens is every year they come out to various places, various places around the world. They don't broadcast where they're going to be because they come out for times of training, times of fellowship, Times to be able to uh, be sent back into the country where, where they will lead more people to Christ. The, like I said, though, the one common denominator among all of them is that every single one of them has met with God. Every single one of them. Their dreams, and you can, many times in, in Muslim nations, this is how God reaches them. Through dreams, through visions, through miracles. And when one person meets another person, and they begin, they even begin to talk about, about Jesus. They say, oh, you met him too. Well, this is what he did when he appeared to me. Every single one, that is the common denominator. God met them, God invited them to join him, and then God said, will you join me in what it is that I'm doing? And the church is going gangbusters there in Iran, of all places. And I think about the hope that God longs to bring in the midst of dark places. And when God speaks to Moses, the nation of Israel is walking through an incredibly, incredibly dark time. And God appeared to Moses, and as we, were, as we were looking today, we're looking at the third reality, the third reality of, of knowing and experiencing God. 
this is the teacher coming out in me now. Uh, I know we have a lot of college profs and things here. So what was the first reality of knowing God? You can do better than that, Pete's sake. God is always at work. He is always at work. The second reality is what? Relationship. He pursues you to have a love relationship, a relationship that is real and personal. You were created for a relationship with God, a relationship that will go on in eternity. Every single person you come in contact, every single person that you see is somebody that God is pursuing to have a relationship with them, an eternal relationship, because we were not created simply for this earth. We are created to live on in eternity, and we will live on in eternity in one of two places, but that place will be the place of your choosing. But know this, and I will say this again later on. When you encounter God, there are eternal ramifications for what it is that God shares with you. There's eternal concerns about what it is that God is sharing with you. And when you encounter God, it is a holy moment, isn't it? When Moses encountered God, it was a holy moment. He said, take off your shoes. The ground that you are standing on is holy ground. And when God encounters Moses here, he invites him. So one, there's three things we're going to be looking at today. We're going to be looking at God's invitation. We're going to be looking at God's timing. And lastly, we're going to be looking at God's plan around here. So as we open it up in verse, verses 1 to 4, it says that Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law. Now let's just stop there for a minute. Moses' life can be broken up into three, into three 40s. His first 40 years are spent in Egypt. He has, been, he has lived in, in the palace of, of Pharaoh. He's, he was the adopted son of the Pharaoh's daughter. He's lived in luxury. He's been trained up in, in not only in the things of Egypt, but also in military and other things that he's been trained in. But we know that at age 40, he murdered another Egyptian. And it was found out, and now he flees for his life to the last place that the Egyptians would ever look at. Here we've got a map of, of Midian here. So he's in Egypt, which is on the, far, on the far left, and he goes all the way down to Midian, which is in Saudi Arabia. He is on the back side of the desert, and for 40 years, he's there. So that's where we pick up. He's tending his father-in-law's sheep. They're not even his sheep. And it says his father was a priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And there the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within the bush. Moses saw through the bush, though that the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why this bush does not burn up. And when the Lord saw that he'd gone over, gone over to look, God said to him, watch this. God said from within the bush, Moses, Moses. There's several things about this that, that stand out. The first one is that God knew his name. In the same way that God knows every one of our names, God says, I will never forget you. I'll never forsake you. See, I have written your names on the very palm of my hand. God says, I know your name, and he knows Moses' name, and he calls him. But not only did he know Moses' name, he knew where he was. Moses is on the backside of the desert, as far away from Egypt as what he thinks he can go. But yet God knows exactly where he is. Is there anywhere that we can flee or we're away from the presence of God? Psalm 139 answers that. If I make my, my bed in the depths of the sea, even there you are, Lord. There's nowhere that I can go that I can be out of God's sight and be out of God's will. Or I can be out of God's will, but there's no place that I can go where I'm out of God's sight. He knew his name, he knew where he was, and he knew what he'd done. He knew what he had done. 
And yet God here is wanting to work in, his, in and through his life. God was going to ask Moses to join him. To join him in what it was that he was already at work doing. Every time that God, God chooses, that God, whenever God sets about to accomplish his work, he always invites people to join him. And after 40 or after 80 years now, Moses has been in the desert now for 40 years. He calls Moses. When God sets about to do his work, he always invites people to join him. Think about that for a second. When God wanted to save the nation of Israel because he knew that there was a great famine coming, he raised up Joseph. When God knew that his people were going to be annihilated in, in, uh, in Susa, he raised up Esther. And now at this time, when God is seeking to release his people from the grip of Egypt, he raises up Moses. God always takes, listen to this, God always takes the initiative to invite us into what it is that he's doing. He always takes the initiative. We don't find God, we don't seek to join God, or we don't seek to say, okay, God, this is what I'm going to do. God always invites us. God always takes the initiative to invite us into what it is that he's doing. Think about that for a second. Let that sink in just for a second. The God of this universe, the God who could do anything that he wants, everything that you see has been created by God. Created out of what? Created out of absolutely nothing. Everything that you can think of is something. And God, by his sheer sheer will and power, created everything that it is that we see. So could he do whatever he wants in this world without us? Absolutely. But yet he says, I want to involve you in what it is that I'm doing. You know, the Bible goes to great lengths to show people for who they truly are. They're they're never innocent, are they? It's like, why on earth does God leave certain things in the Bible? When you read the genealogy of Jesus, one of the names that you find in there is uh, David, or uh, he's the, you find the name of Bathsheba in there. They leave that in there for us. They leave in there all that David did and all the things that other people have done. They don't, they don't whitewash it. They don't make them look to be better than what they are. God shows people for who they truly are. And the people that God uses are people like you and me. If you would have told me 25, 30 years ago, when I was, still had red hair and a mustache, if you would have told me that, that I'd be standing, preaching in front of a bunch of people in Hong Kong, I would have told you, you are crazy. The last place in the world that I want to be is around people. I'm an introvert by nature. And it's like, if you don't want to be around a bunch of people, Hong Kong is the wrong place to be, right? But yet God knew what it was that he wanted. And God chose to invite me to join him in what it was that he was doing. And God chooses to invite us. He knows all of our flaws. And yet he chooses to invite us into what it is that he's doing. That invitation... The invitation of God is not like God sitting down with us across from, across from us with a cup of coffee saying, um, I don't know if you have any time, but I, ha- I have an opportunity that I think you would be really good for. Would you, would you join me in this? And we say, ah, I really don't have the time for that. This morning, one of the things that I've been praying about is a, at night I walk over by our house by Science Park. As I walk along the promenade, I've been saying, God, okay, I get it. You brought me here to Hong Kong. And I know that you've called me to pastor an amazing church. And I love this church. But God, show me where you're at work. Open my eyes, God, to where it is your work. Because, and I'm saying, God, I'll talk to people. God, if you, if you put them in front of me, I'll, I'll talk to them. As hard as it is, 
as shy as I am, I, God, I will talk to them. And so one of the things, uh, this is no slap on anybody here. Uh, normally, when I'm riding on the MTR, the people around me don't speak English. And I can't, they don't understand me, and I don't understand them. But I say, God, if I meet a white person, a lot of times they speak English enough. But I've met you know, some who are German or whatever, but they still can speak rudimentary English. I said, God, I'll talk to them. Ugh. There are times when he, when he takes me up on that. This morning, I went out for a walk. I went to pray and walked down the promenade here at, uh, by the ocean. And I saw a mother and two daughters, uh, teenage daughters, walk. They were just in front of me. And I thought, oh, they're, they, they're, okay, God, I'll, I'll talk to them. And then they, they veered off and went, went down by the swimming pool. And I thought, oh, good, good. I, I don't have, <laughs> I don't have. And so I got down and I, I finished, the, I made the big turnaround at the end and came back. And there they were sitting on the picnic bench. And God says, I asked you to talk to them. Talk to them. And so when I, when I walked up to them, I thought, what on earth am I going to say? What on earth, what on earth am I going to say? And I said to them, hey, good morning. And they answered me back. And said, so okay, that's, that's first place. And I said, I, I don't know if you guys uh, have heard, but there's a really good international church around here. They speak, you know, it's, the services in our English. And right away she said, oh. She said, like it? She said, thank you, thank you, but, but no. It's like, okay, I did what it was that God, you asked me to do. But do we sometimes do that with God? God gives us an invitation. He said, you know, this is what I'm doing. This is what I'm doing. Would you join me in what it is you're doing? See, the invitation of God is not something that we think, ah, eh, I, I don't know, maybe, uh, if I have... No, no, it's not that. Remember, it's a holy moment. When God reveals to you what it is that he's doing and where it is that He is at work, that is a holy moment. And there are eternal dimensions to what it is that God is calling us to do. Remember that. Has God been showing you where it is that he's at work? As God puts somebody in your life, and they're talking about church all the time, as God puts somebody in your life, and they're going, they're walking through something, or has God been saying to you, I would like you to talk to that person? What has God been doing? Because God's invitation is not something that we can say, if I have time, God. It's not. The God of this universe, when he, when he, makes, this, when he makes this invitation, it's done in his timing. Now look at this. God comes to Moses. It's been 40 years. 40 years in, in Egypt. Now he's 40 years in the desert of Midian. And God comes to him at that time. It's like, okay, God, he's 80 years old. What good can you do with an 80-year-old? Okay, no, no, no knock on anybody if you're 80 in this room. God can do a lot through people who are over 80 years old. You just look at Scripture and what God did with people who are over 80. But sometimes, sometimes our more seasoned saints think that, well, I, I'm done. No, you're not. You're not done till you're dead, somebody said. You're not done. And God comes to him at that time and it's like, God, why then and why there? Because Moses has spent 40 years in the backside of the desert of Midian. Was that time wasted? Not at all. You may be in a holding pattern right now. You're wondering, God, what is it that you have in store for my life? God, I'm waiting, I'm watching, I'm asking you, God, where are you at work? Don't neglect that time, because that time is a time where God is preparing your heart. In those 40 years, was God preparing Moses' heart for what it was that he was going to have him do? Absolutely. Absolutely. And God is preparing our hearts. You know, there's something else about this. God takes the initiative. 
Moses was on the backside of the desert because he knew. What had he done 40 years earlier? He had murdered a person. And God took the initiative to come to Moses. God always takes the initiative when he's doing something. But God took the initiative. When Adam and Eve sin in the garden, what do they do? They run off to hide. Who takes the initiative to come and bring them back? God does. When David does what he did with Bathsheba, and he's trying to keep it all quiet, he says in his word, he says, when I kept silent, he says, my bones wasted away within me. God took the initiative to send Nathan into his life. When Peter sinned by betraying Christ, God said, you're going to betray me three times. And when he, when he betrayed him, what did he do? He went off and it says, and it was night. But God took the initiative. Jesus took the initiative to go back and to bring him back. And here we say God taking the initiative with Moses to bring him back to the place of what it was that he wanted him to do. Some of you this morning would say, boy, it's been a long time since I've been with the Lord. It's been a long I, I walked away. I'm here in church this morning. I don't even know why. Because I haven't done much for the Lord in a long time. I'm doing great at what I want to do. But I wonder, have I gone so far that God can no longer use me? Some of you are getting a little uncomfortable. Just hold on for a second. Have I gone to the place where God can't use me anymore? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. God's the one who takes the initiative to call us back. God was the one who took the initiative at this time. And this is so cool. At this time. You know, Moses thought 40 years earlier that his time was the right time. Look at what it says in Acts chapter 7, verse 23 to 25. It says, When Moses was 40 years old, he decided to visit his fellow Israelites. He saw one of them being mistreated by an Egyptian, so he went went to his defense and avenged him by killing the Egyptian. Moses thought, this is important, that his own people would realize that God was using him to rescue them, but they did not. Moses thought that this was the time. This was God's timing, but it wasn't. Be very careful. Be very careful that you don't step out into something and claim that this is something that God has called you to do unless God has really called you. God's timing. God's timing is perfect, but God's timing is his timing. Listen to what Galatians chapter 4, 4 says. But when, the full, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born, unto, born under the law. In the fullness of time. In the fullness of time, God does things. When God called, there's an eternal dimension to this fullness of time. When God called Peter, Philip, to go out into the desert, that was God's timing. When God called Peter to go to Cornelius, that was God's timing. When God called Jonah to go to Nineveh, that was God's timing. And now when God comes to Moses, that is God's timing. There is an eternal dimension to God's call. And when God calls, that is the time he calls for us to do what it is that he's calling us to do. To join him in what it is that he's calling us to do. We need to understand that's that third thing, that there is an eternal element to God's timing. But when God called Moses, he was right on schedule. Think about that. When everything, when everything was set, when everything was right, that's when God called Moses. That's why that eternal dimension to God's invitation is so important for us to remember. That when God gives the invitation, when God shows us what he's doing, that's his invitation to join him. The revelation is the invitation. And when God calls Moses here, that's his time. That is his timing to do that. You know, when, when Moses 
when Moses went up to the bush, God spoke to Moses, his mercy. I mean, he could have allowed Moses to come closer, and Moses probably wouldn't have been around. But he says in his mercy, he says, Moses, take off your shoes. You're standing on on holy ground. This is kind of a duh question. So did Moses know that it was God who was speaking to him? You can shake your heads. Yeah, he did. Moses knew exactly who was speaking to him. It was God who was speaking to him. And when God speaks, you're going to be hearing more about this next week. When God speaks to us, he speaks to reveal himself, his purposes, and his plans. And when he spoke to Moses, he told him, I'm God. I am God. And he says, this is what it is that I'm going to do. You know, Moses knew that it was God who was speaking to him. And you say, well, I wish that God could speak to me out loud. He doesn't do that very often. I don't know anymore. But God does speak to us through his word, doesn't he? But I think one of the tensions that we have, one of the struggles we have, is developing an ear to hear God's voice. Because God often speaks in a very quiet voice. I don't know about you, in Hong Kong, is it hard to find a place that's quiet, away from people? It is. It is. But being ruthless in our relationship, that I so long to hear God, what it is that you want to say to my heart, that I will ruthlessly remove those things from my life that prevent me from hearing your voice. One of the disciplines, one of the spiritual disciplines that is not talked about very much is the discipline of silence, of where you just sit before God and just wait for him. That's really hard. It is really hard, especially in this day and this age with our phones always going off, our watches always buzzing, whatever it might be. But developing an ear to hear God, that is so important. Your very life depends on that. When God speaks, that's his invitation to join him. And whenever God speaks, God speaks when he's about to accomplish his purposes. God speaks when he's about to accomplish his purposes. God was aware of what was going on. Look at, he says in verse, verse 4, excuse me, I'm going to step down to verse, uh, verse 6. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And at this Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them. Watch, listen to all the descriptive words. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the the home of all the different people. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I've seen the way the Egyptians are pressing them. Up until that point, it was, it was okay for Moses, wasn't it? Now watch what he says. So now, go. So now go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Now we think, okay, that was a fairly big assignment. It wasn't a fairly big assignment. It was a huge assignment. God is, in a sense, saying to Moses, I want you to go into the most powerful country that is at this time. And he said, I want you to walk into there and tell the most powerful man in all the world to let my people go. Would you not have been a little bit, uh, a little bit scared of what it was that God was asking at that point if you were in Moses' shoes? I know I would have been. And he asked Moses to do this. 
But whenever God speaks, he is about to accomplish his purposes. And what does Moses say? You, you can't be serious. He says, who am I? Verse 11. Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and to bring the Israelites out? Hear this. Whatever God initiates, he completes. Whatever God initiates, he completes. And God never proposes anything that he himself does not also bring to pass. Did you catch that? That's number seven. Slide number seven, please. God never proposes anything that he himself does not also bring to pass. Whatever God calls us to, whatever God calls you to do, no matter how hard that may seem to you, God is the one who is extending the invitation. God is the one who is showing us where it is that he's at work. And God is saying, God is saying what? This is what I'm planning to do. Will you be obedient to me? Will you join me in what it is that I'm doing? And what does Moses say? And where you, you can read ahead a little bit. Moses makes up every excuse as to why God should find somebody else. And sometimes we can make excuses as to, God, you can't be serious. I don't have the time. I'm involved with, I'm a mother of two. I'm chasing these kids around all over the place. You know, I, I've got things, I, I'm not getting home from work till 9, 10 o'clock at night. And when I get home, I got the kids at home. I got my wife at home. You can't be serious, God, that you want me to do this. Or you can't be serious, God, that you want me to leave this and go to join you in this. God is dead serious. When he makes that invitation, he is serious about what it is that he's calling. Because God says, when Moses gives all these excuses, he says, all right, so I walk in there, and I, and I say to them, let my people go. Who shall I say has sent me? And God says, tell them I am has sent you. Tell them I am that I am. And for Moses, he needed to hear this. I am I am the one who will be all that you need. I am the one who said that I would be with you. I am with you, and I will never leave you. I am that I am. And when God makes that invitation to us, he says, I will be the one that will be with you. I will be the one who will strengthen you. I will be the one who speaks through you. I will be the one. Everything that you need, I will give you for what it is. Because whatever I initiate... I will also bring to completion, for what reason? For his glory. Not only for his glory, but you will come to know him in a way you never would have had you not followed in obedience. And so, wow, I got 15 minutes to noon yet. So let me ask some questions then. So the invitation. God has been speaking to you about, hey, um, I'd really like you to go and talk to that, that guy at the office. I'm talking to guys now. He's pointed somebody out. You're saying, oh, I don't like going to talk to that guy. His breath is bad. He's got bad language. I don't, I don't, and God keeps, God keeps going after you and saying, I really want you to talk to him. That's an invitation. Maybe for some of you as ladies, God has been speaking to you about somebody that he would like you to pray for. Somebody to invite out for coffee. Remember, there is, an eternal, there is an eternal dimension to God's call, to God's invitation. Has there been something that God has been asking you to do? Today we make the decision as to what it is we're going to do. Not only do we make the decision as to what it is we're going to do, we make the decision about what we believe about God. 
Because when we make statements like, God, you can't possibly be serious about, about using me. God, you can't possibly be serious about this. When we make those statements, we are saying more about what we believe about God than what we believe about ourselves. God is the one who chooses to use people like us. Flawed at best, every one of us. Every one of us has a life that we are glad that God doesn't pull the sheets back on to show the world. And God issues his invitation to us. The question is today, what is it we will do with that invitation that God has given us? That invitation for us to join him in what it is that he's doing. Because when God makes the invitation, he has everything already in order for us to do the next thing. That invitation. The second one. The second one has to do with our hearing. Are we developing an ear so that we hear when God speaks to us? Are we walking out the door in the morning and saying, God, even before I walk out this door, I'm going to come in contact with a lot of people today. Lord, would you give me an ear to hear your voice when you're speaking to me? When we go before his word and we open it up in the morning, God, before I open your word, would you speak to my heart so in such a way that, God, I hear what it is you're saying and then give me the courage to do that? The third one is this. Are you holding back on joining God in what he's doing because you just don't know how that will ever happen? God says, I am that I am. I am is the one who's sending you. I am the one who's calling you. I am. You know, as we, as we close the service down today, I, I want to spend some time just praying for you. And I want to, as we go to prayer, what I would like you to do, there are going to be a couple things that I'm going to ask of you, especially for the issue of prayer. And if you want prayer in certain areas, I'm going to ask you to hold up your hand, okay? Because I just want to pray for you. But when you hold your hand up, it jogs my memory so that later on in the week as I'm walking along praying for you, then I, oh, okay, I need to pray for that person. They ask for prayer in this area. So when we go to, those times, when we go to this time of prayer, if there's something that I ask that you would like prayer for, I'd ask you to just raise up your hand so that I can know, so I can be able to follow up in prayer. Okay? Would you join me in prayer? Father, thank you. As we come before your word this morning, Lord, I can't imagine what Moses must have thought when the bush didn't burn up and when he got closer to the bush, the bush talked to him. But it wasn't just the bush, it was you. You hadn't forgotten him. You still knew his name. And God, you still had something in mind for him. And God, I I thank you that you still know our name. For some of us, there was a time when we were part of the worship team. There was a time when we we were doing things for your kingdom. We were growing in our walk with you. And it just seems like we've been walking through a desert time. And God, today we hear again that you are one who still longs to work with us. You're the one who's taken the initiative to to jog our memories, to open our heart again to what it is that, God, you're wanting to do. If that's you this morning, would you just raise up your hand? I just want to pray for you. Okay, yeah. Okay. Father in heaven, you see these who have have prayed, and I don't know what's going on, and that's okay. But I know that you are a God who always initiates, who always comes back, 
even when we've walked away from you, you will never walk away from us. And God, I pray for these who have raised their hand that, Lord, you would meet them in a very precious and a very powerful way. Lord, your word says in the book of Joel that you will restore the years that the locusts have eaten. And I just pray that, God, you would meet them and that you would powerfully and preciously work in and through their lives. God, let them know that they've met with you. I pray, God, for the peace of Christ. I thank you for your forgiveness. And I thank you that, God, even when we walk away, you're the one that walks toward us and draws us back to yourself. Lord, I think, too, about the invitations that you give. And, Lord, for some of us, as we've spoken about, as you've spoken about, um, about being obedient when you, when you ask. And, Lord, for some of us, we know what it is that you're, you're asking us to do. But in our hearts, we don't want to do it. We don't feel like we have the time. We don't feel like we have the, the ability. And yet, God, in all of it, you're not asking us to trust in our own strength and in our own ability. You're asking us to trust in you and to walk, God, where you have us to walk. Lord, that eternal dimension to the call that you've placed upon our life is so huge because we don't know, we don't know what it is, God, that you're doing in that situation, in that life. But we do know that, God, you are pursuing them to have a relationship with them, a relationship that has eternal has eternal ramifications around it. And so, God, I pray and I ask again this morning over this precious, precious flock that, God, you would give us hearts. Your word says that um, blessed is he who hears the word of God. Lord, you always equate hearing with doing, hearing with obedience. And Lord, as we've heard your word this morning, as we've heard what it is that, God, you are saying to our hearts, that invitation to join you in what it is you already have in mind comes back before our eyes. And God, today we will determine what it is we believe about you. We'll also determine where our hearts are at. And God, I pray that you would be the one you would be the one that opens our hearts to respond to you. If that's you this morning, you know what it is that God's been asking you to do, but you've been digging your feet in the sand, you don't want to do it. Would you just raise up your hand? I want to pray for you. Okay. Lord in heaven, I thank you as well that the God of this universe takes the time to show us what it is that he's doing. That is humbling at best. And I just ask that God in the hearts and lives of those who are here, those who said, remember me. God, I just pray that you would work powerfully through them. And Lord, the lives in which you want their lives to intersect with, that God in the midst of this glory would be brought to your name and to your name alone. God, I pray for that. I pray that, God, as a church, we will know you as the great I am. That, God, we will never tear off to do what it is that we think needs to be done. But that, Lord, we will wait. We will wait until you show us. And then, God, we will move out in in humility and in obedience and in great faith. 
Because I am that I am is the one who's calling. I am that I am is the one that is sending. I am that I am is the one who will provide. God, I praise you and worship you. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for this church. And Lord, we lay our lives before you. Use us. Use us as a church. Use us individually as families for whatever it is that will bring you the most glory. And God, I pray this and ask this now in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. May the grace and the peace of God, God Almighty, the great I Am, may He be the one that goes with you today. May His peace be with you. May His healing be upon your heart. And may the passion of Christ for those around you be poured out into your life and over life. To the glory of Jesus, I pray this. Amen. Amen. Have an amazing week.